0: imagine a life where you work diligently as a janitor, lead a humble existence, and live in a quiet town. To those who knew him, Ronald Reed was an unassuming man, a fixture in his Vermont community. But there was a secret that only became clear after his passing. Ronald Reed was a millionaire. I'm Curtis, my pal here is Joe, and we are Dudes in Progress.
1: Hey, Joe, my friend, Kurt, what's going on, pal? We are recording
0: another episode of Dudes in Progress, and um, I figured that was the case. Looking forward to this one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you knew what we were doing. That's a good start.
1: Yes. Let me ask you a question. Joe, how much money is enough? More than what I had yesterday. (laughs) It's funny about having enough money, because... If I think about the financial situation that I'm in right now, and I think about what I was wishing for back in my early twenties, back in my early twenties, if I had 500 bucks extra, man, I was living high, right? Yeah. I was set for a bit. Now that's not the case now. We have different desires and different needs, quote unquote needs, different wants, responsibilities. different responsibilities. Actually, my responsibilities now are less than they were when I was in my 20s because I started fatherhood a bit early. Hmm. But yeah, I, when I look at, I think about in this book, and in, in, I know we're covering the psychology of money, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but go ahead. It's okay. Uh, I, I really think about one subject in this book that starts in the very beginning when he talks about the hardest financial skill is getting the goalpost to stop moving. Okay understanding what we're satisfied with. Yeah, that was a definitely clear in the first couple chapters
0: of this book. This book intrigued me because it is a an area that I want to focus in on more so than I ever have. It's always been, finances has always been something I've never enjoyed. And my wife pretty much handles the the checkbook, and I was just fine with making the money and letting her deal with it. But I'm trying to get more involved, and And definitely, as I get closer to what may be called the retirement age, although mine, I think I'm going to keep going. He talks about some of these concepts in this book, but it looked like one of those money books that was very highly rated on Amazon. It's hot right now. It's by Morgan Housel. If you didn't hear Joe call it out, it's called The Psychology of Money, which I like psychology. So I thought that was a great one to start with subtitle is Timeless Lessons on Wealth, Greed, and Happiness. And of course, that tagline of happiness intrigued me also to crack open this book. And it's not a very big book. How'd you like my story that I started out with Ronald Reed? I looked him up. I don't know that he was one of the ones that Morgan specifically mentioned, although he did mention someone like this. But this unassuming janitor, he was the guy Stash in the way. Matter of fact, he had a great financial knowledge as you read his story. And I, I pulled up an article from The Motley Fool, which I there's a lot of parallels to this article I pulled up, Joe, compared to the book. And I think I might
1: contrast and compare. I read a couple books years ago. And have you ever read a book a long time ago and you think, man, I wish I would have taken heed that book uh years ago? Yeah. Whatever it is. There's two books. One of them is called The Millionaire Next Door. I don't remember the author from either one of these. One of them is called The Millionaire Next Door, and the other one is called The Wealthy Barber. And both of these books talk about just putting a little bit away at a time in something that will give you a reasonable return and the value of time on money.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely part of this book, for sure. And I, like you said, there's a couple of concepts that he starts out and some stories he begins with. But if you want to compare and contrast Ronald Reed, to someone like Bernie Madoff, which he does talk about as an interesting story about someone with Bernie Madoff. We all, I think, you know who he is, right?
1: Yeah. The Ponzi scheme, the yeah. largest Ponzi scheme in the history of mankind. I have some interesting thoughts about Bernie Madoff, but I want to go ahead and yeah. let you do
0: your thing. But at the point he was making with Bernie Madoff, which I didn't know, but Bernie Madoff was a huge financial success before he decided to
1: Dive into the world of a criminal. Absolutely. Prior to his Ponzi scheme, he was well respected in the financial industry. He had his own wealth, but my gosh, he, yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you say it. Go ahead, Kurt. He got greedy. It's just, it, talking about the psychology of money.
0: If you compare Ronald Reed, who invested and put away and lived a humble existence, became a millionaire and avoided jail might I also add, and all kinds of uh, embarrassment. Bernie Madoff just
1: couldn't get enough. Maybe it was the, the thrill of the game. It was funny about Bernie Madoff too, because there were a couple people, one person specifically, that warned the SEC about this guy. Okay. And said, hey, this, something's not right with this guy. Something's yeah. not right here. And they completely ignored it. Just yeah. shelved it, completely ignored it. And he got away with, mm. Billions and billions of dollars. And took. smart people he tricked. Yep. Famous people.
0: Just shocking how he kept it going for so long. It answers the question that I asked you. That these people like that. They just had no sense
1: of enough. Sense of enough. And I think the book talks about social comparison being a problem as well. And I mm-hmm. think that was part of Bernie's problem. Oh, right? Is, is he... He wanted to keep up with the richest of the rich, and he wanted to be respected among, quote-unquote, respected among his peers. And the only way that he could get that respect was to make more or make more money or have a lifestyle that looked like he was making more money.
0: that's another psychological part of this. I was on the plane down to Orlando. I watched—I wish I should have wrote down the exact name of this film, but it's the story— of heavyweight fighter, George Foreman. And this book doesn't talk, but he gives similar examples. But I was thinking as I was reading this book about George Foreman, I really enjoyed the movie because I know his story. He's a very colorful person. His story is very fascinating. How he became heavyweight champion and really quickly, he really didn't start boxing the way the story tells it about a year. He's 19 years old and he's in the ring with one of the best fighters, amateurs in the world, a Russian at the time. Now, this was in the 70s, and pummels this guy. George Foreman had a punch, Joe. And I know you like Mm. wrestling, but I bet you like boxing, too. Sure do. Yeah. But the money he made very quickly when he turned pro. And they show the story of this friendship that he develops in this. He was in, like, this government program. I forget what it was. It was like a work kind of program. He comes from very humble beginnings from Houston. We can just call him poor. There were things he would get teased about, the way he dressed in school, and he developed a real anger that served him well as a boxer. He befriended someone who seemed like he was pretty good at money management, I guess is the best way I could say it, even through this. And this was the guy that he put in charge of all his money. And I bring up this story because George Foreman lost it all in the early 70s down to rock bottom. I think he was remarried at this time also. And this money manager, they don't get into a lot of details, but he basically lost it all. And George had no idea what was going on in his finances. So that was the other story that I gleaned from this book too, is to be a better money manager. And pay attention. From Ronald Reed, who who got the education through the library of all places and think of the places we can go now to get this kind of education. But yeah, what a difference. And the good news with George Foreman is it's a fascinating story that he came back not only as a heavyweight champion at age 45, which I didn't realize that was his age when he came back. Yeah. And won. (laughs) I want to get on YouTube and watch this fight. Honestly, from watching the movie and we all know of the George Foreman grill and, the financial success, but I think he learned they show him really talking to the bankers and and getting an education and and managing his money. It's fascinating, don't you think, that these big lottery winners, millions of dollars, how often do you hear stories, sad stories of athletes or lottery winners blowing it all?
1: Look at professional athletes who still today make millions of dollars. And within a few years of coming out of the NFL, or whatever it might be NBA or major league baseball within a few years, they're broke. I don't know how often it happens. It still happens, but I-, I have a hard time believing it happens with the people who are making $40 million a year. Yeah. But you have that middle range athlete who may make quote unquote, only a couple million dollars a year for five, 10 years or five years or whatever. And you think, man, if I made $10 million over, over five years, I'd be set. I'd be fine. But lifestyle, keeping up with the Joneses, not understanding money, not understanding how much you have, having unscrupulous people around you, all of that stuff leads to financial ruin for so many people.
0: This is another one of those things we talk about, I was thinking, Joe, where we say, it's easy to understand the strategies, but
1: not necessarily in practice, easy to do. Absolutely. And it's easy for us to sit here and say, I if I won the lottery, I would never be that way. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. But, <laughs> no, I but, the- but <laughs> gosh, I don't
0: know. It I is. A, know. I like how psychology plays a role in this, and those stories help to make his point. I'm going to go over some of the topics
1: that are talked about in the book, but I really liked the last couple chapters. One, one little interesting tidbit before we move forward. Yeah. It has nothing to do with finances. Other than making good decisions and bad decisions, yeah. Did you know the people who manufactured the George Foreman grill originally approached Hulk Hogan to be the spokesperson? No, I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> and Hulk Hogan turned it down for some for something else that was a complete flop. And George Foreman made a hundred times more money off his George Foreman grill than he ever did boxing, maybe a thousand times yeah. more money. Yeah, that is so. A, there we go.
0: A topic that is brought up in the book and the role of risk and luck, mm-hmm. how they play in our finances. He tries to compare it to other industries. There was an interesting story too about, I don't know if how
1: Bill Gates got rich. How would you say Bill Gates got rich? I don't know. I would think that he brought an innovative product and the timing of the market was right. I think I read somewhere. It may have been in this book, actually. I don't want to steal your thunder, but can I go ahead and answer what I think the answer might yeah, be? Yeah, go ahead. I, I think that when he was in college or high school, he was he attended one of the only schools in the area or in the state or something like that that had a computer. In the world. In the world, okay, well, that's bigger than the state. The only school in the world that had a computer, and yeah. he became interested in that computer, and spent some time with it, and it and it and ignited a real passion for him. You hit it, yeah.
0: And he goes into some detail of how lucky it was that he lived in an area in a school that had one of the few computers in the world. And he breaks down like how many kids and he goes into excruciating detail about that. And Bill Gates is not shy by saying if there had been no lakeside, which was his high school, there would have been no Microsoft.
1: And he told that to the graduating class in 2005. But don't you think, here's the other side of that. Don't you think, A guy as smart and innovative and driven as Bill Gates would have found something else. Maybe not to the scale that Microsoft is, but would have found something else. I do. What's interesting about this point he's making is even Bill
0: Gates acknowledged the great opportunity and luck he had
1: in getting turned into computers at such an early age. I mean, you can't discount luck. You cannot discount luck. And that's something we don't want to talk about because mm-hmm. we want to talk about strategy. And if you do A, B, C, and then combine that with D, and then do E consistently, then right you're going to get whatever letter I left off on. F. <laughs> so there is, but we don't want to acknowledge that luck has plays a big role, or, or lack of luck. That Hulk Hogan, <laughs> yeah, making a yeah. bad choice there.
0: How did he know that thing was going to take off? Who knew? Right. Who knew? right? Maybe George Foreman
1: had quite a personality too, but Hulk Hogan, I don't know, would have done as in well. The time, during the time, Hulk Hogan was one of the biggest personalities out there it, in media, not just wrestling, but in media. You know why it fit George Foreman so well, and we'll get off this, but he liked
0: to eat. That was yeah. a, something in his yeah. story too. Absolutely. Fit well with the George Foreman grill. Good luck for those. they They picked the right they got the, They got lucky with the right guy, I think mm-hmm. the manufacturers of that product, definitely. Some of the concepts they go into the role of luck. he examines the influence of luck and financial success and how it's underestimated. We try to put co- complex things into a box and try to make them simplified and One thing I got from this, you know how these pundits are out on whether it's news and especially in financial conversations, whether it's the economy or we're going to go going into a recession and they sound so exact about it or confident in it. And the the truth about that all is they miss it most of the times badly. Yeah, Yeah, badly. Absolutely. (laughs) So I found that really interesting to keep that in mind. The role of emotions in finance, fear and greed can impact investment decisions The importance of patience, which you talked about. Long-term thinking is important. Impact of personal experiences. Now, this is the piece that I like because when you talk to a financial advisor, I can remember years ago, they're going to talk in terms that don't take into consideration how you might feel and what what fits your personal lifestyle. And they try to drive you into, again, that box. Risk and uncertainty, which we talked a little bit about that. The power of compounding. Right? The longer you can wait, that still is true. That, I think you said that from other books. Mm-hmm. That's, that was nothing new to me. But here's, towards the end of the book, Joe, I'll run these by you, see what you think. of These are, I think, some of the main topics to walk away with from all of the, because I found the book in the middle part. I was like, okay, let's get to the,
1: let's get to the meat. So, <laughs> so I've not finished the book yet. I'm about halfway through the book. Uh, so I don't mind spoiling the book. I don't mind the spoiler. If we want to have a conversation here, (laughs) I certainly, I certainly look forward to it because I like the psychology of money. I like the idea of the psychology of money. And so far, I think it's a rock solid book. It's really given me some points to think about a couple of the points that, that I've gleaned so far is, are that I'm a good saver. Uh I live beneath my means. Yeah. And I've done that for a long time. I think I'm more risk-averse than I'd like to think I am or that I've believed I am. I have some strategies that I need to employ. Just to be a little transparent with you, Kurt, if you don't mind, what I'm looking for right now in my life is a magic formula, Mm -hmm. is a magic formula that will take me from where I am to where I want to be in some short, quick hacks that I can employ right away that will make up for the, the time that, frankly... I've lost, quite honestly, we're doing okay, but we'll make up for the time that I've lost over the years where I didn't employ some of these strategies when I should have. Mm. And that hack doesn't exist. There's some right. things that I have to implement in my life that will, may work, but I have to also put some margin in case it doesn't work. Right. So yeah, there's a formula, There's a there's some strategies that I need to work out that I've gleaned from this book. So I'm liking it so far. Yeah. And we're not going to, I'm not going to get into
0: suggestions. I'm not the person to give financial advice. I like some of these concepts too. And there was a whole chapter about saving and I like his thoughts on this. Save, just save. You don't need a specific reason to save. That actually, I don't know why that profoundly hit me in, in a way. And I, I like, it gives me the permission. To just save, save for retirement, you save for a house, down payment, and there are certain things. But to just be proud of being a saver, I think, right. is a great concept. Definitely, Yeah. Definitely. I'm going to give you about six or seven of these. Go out of your way to find humility when things are going right and forgiveness and compassion when they go wrong. Because he's saying you're going to have both of those things during your lifetime in the long run. Hopefully if you're doing all these things correctly,
1: in the long run you'll be in a good shape. I know the book does speak to those people there it gave a couple comparisons, and I don't remember exactly, but one guy who was who made some really good decisions, quote unquote good decisions, early on and did extremely well, and another guy who didn't have his didn't have the results that he would have expected because of some decisions he made or some some issues that he had and so many years go past. And this guy who had success was living high on the hog. And he thought that what he, what, what he was doing would work forever. And it didn't. Mm. And he quickly found himself in a financial desperate situation, financially desperate situation. And the other guy who didn't do so well, but stayed the course on what he was doing Was patient, ended up doing extremely well. Mm. And if you would have looked at these two people 10 years earlier, you would have thought that guy, the other guy, the first guy had it going on, man. He was going to be good for the rest of his life. And the second guy was doomed for destitute life. Yeah, it definitely talks about the long game.
0: Less ego, more wealth. Saving money is the gap between your ego and your income. And wealth is what you don't see. That's profound, right? Absolutely. Let's talk again about these people that buy things to
1: impress others. They could be completely broke. You have no idea. And a lot of people are. Yeah. My gosh, just listen to a week's worth of episodes from Dave Ramsey and his talk show. Now, whatever you feel about Dave Ramsey and what he espouses so far as savings, saving versus income and so forth, there are people out there that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Mm. that have nothing that if they lost their paycheck tomorrow, they would have to start selling stuff away in order to live. For sure. Manage your money in a way that helps
0: you sleep at night. That one resonates with me big time. And Mm. that is one of the things I think in having conversations with financial advisors over the years I think, and he talks about, he also gives the current strategies that him and his family put into place. And one is they've paid off their mortgage at a young age. And every financial planner will tell you that is not a good move. But sure feels good to know that you have a place, you'll never be homeless Absolutely. for the most part.
1: You Absolutely. pay your taxes. I've heard financial gurus, quote unquote financial gurus, say that you should never buy a house for your primary dwelling, you should rent because buying a house is the worst asset you could have on paper, maybe. And on paper, somebody might be able to make a good argument, but you're right, Kurt, knowing that no matter what, as long as I pay my taxes, I'm going to have a place to lay my head at night. And all these things are personal. And that's, again,
0: back to the psychology of it all. Whatever makes you happy is really what you should be doing. If you want to do better as an investor- The single most powerful thing you can do is increase your time horizon, compounding interest. Mm -hmm. That was no revelation. No matter what you're doing with your money, you should be comfortable with a lot of stuff not working. That's just how the world is. You should always measure how you've done by looking at your full portfolio rather than individual investments. He spent a little bit of time, of course, talking about some of the most famous money managers like Charlie Munger and... Warren Buffett. Yep. Do you realize these guys made a lot of their money off of things that they didn't
1: know were going to be the winners? And I think, and don't take this as as completely accurate, but I think 90% of Warren Buffett's wealth came from 10% of his investments. That's right. Yeah. One of the things, something like that. Don't quote us on it, but yeah. That means he failed 90% of the time. Yeah. But that 10%. Was explosive. Yes. Made all the difference in the world. Yeah. So it matches
0: that particular point I was making. And they really accumulated quite a bit of wealth, not until they were like in their sixties or something. And then it started really compounding after that, but they're the ones they look to.
1: Everyone looks at your success. They don't look at all the mistakes that you made along the way. Right. And you got to be comfortable with those mistakes. And that's about, that is the psychology of money is being comfortable with mistakes Yeah, that you will Diversification. fail. Diversification. That's going to happen. Yeah, you can't pick them. That's one right.
0: thing he, he talks about. Nobody can pick the market. No one even knew the crashes. He goes through the historical crashes. Nobody knew those were going to hit when they hit. Right. Use your money to gain control over time because not having control of your time is such a powerful and universal drag on happiness. This is the point that, I think hit me probably the the most. And he said it a couple of times in the book, the ability to do what you want, when you want with who you want for as long as you want to pays the highest dividend that exists in finance. That speaks right to my quote of the week (laughs) when I get there. Okay. That is the thing that to strive for. I think however you do it, that is what everyone, I don't know. i will I think everyone should be, I
1: think it universally is acceptable. That's what you're trying to do. It's so funny to watch people who, this has happened at the company that I'm currently working. I've seen this happen probably three or four times. When somebody retires and they can't wait to retire Yeah, and they retire and we have the big retirement party for them. They've been there 30 years and the big retirement party and the gift and the cake and the congratulations and the stories and all that other stuff. And three months later after they retire, they're back. Now it's funny to see how they were looking so forward to retirement yeah. and how they were generally as they were working grumpy and I wouldn't say miserable, but just not settled and just not satisfied. Yeah. They retire and they come back. To the exact job that they were working before, and they're as happy as can be. They're as happy and as satisfied and as joyful. You wouldn't see somebody with a better attitude. And the reason is because they don't have to be there now. That's what we used to call "fu" money. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I like that. That's right. I like. No, I think
0: that's. I think we all have to be productive or have a sense of contribute. I think we don't give enough importance to that fact. And people retire having no idea what they're going to do in their retirement. I think that's a mistake. and something I definitely spend a lot of my time contemplating. Not that I've got it figured out, but it's absolutely a big thing I've been considering. Charlie Munger once said, I did not intend to get rich. I just wanted to get independent. That we can leave aside rich, but independence has always been my personal financial goal. This is the author saying that chasing the highest returns or leveraging my assets to live the most luxuriously life little interests me. I like that. Be nicer, less flashy. No one is impressed with your possessions as much as you are. Amen. Amen. You might think you want a fancy car or a nice watch, but. What you probably want is respect and admiration,
1: and you're more likely to gain those things through kindness and humility than horsepower and chrome. I think Dave Ramsey says the paid-off mortgage is the new status symbol. Yeah. Has replaced the BMW as the new status symbol or something like that. That'd be good if it Uh, did.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it has. He's saying that. His people that are following him say that. Right. It's It's a good thing to aspire to. Define the game you're playing and make sure your actions are not being influenced by people playing a different game. Mm. Yeah. So in the financial world, just because what other people are doing, your strategies
1: should match what you're trying to do, not looking at others. I think I, I in the book, he uses the example of day traders versus long-term investors. If you see somebody that has had success in day trading, you can't pick the same stocks they're picking because they're looking... You're looking to make money between, for the next 20 years, they're looking to make money in the next 20 minutes and you can't yeah. have the same strategy, right? They ha- they're playing a different game than you're Yes.
0: Playing. He goes into that. So I'll just finish up with a couple of things that he mentions that, that he's doing. I said, he owns his own house and he feels it's the best money decision they've ever made. We love him. Mm. Yeah. I can totally understand that. He said he keeps a higher percentage of his assets in cash than most financial advisors recommend. Something around 20% of their assets outside of the value of their house is in cash. So there's some direct strategies he does get into a little bit. Again, he says true success is exiting some rat race to
1: modulate one's activities for peace of mind. And that cash gives him peace of mind. Yeah. That cash gives him the ability to say, you know what? If everything else caves in, I'm going to be okay for the next year or so. Yeah. And he, and he says
0: independence that we were just talking about doesn't mean he's going to stop working. It only means you do the work you like to work with the people you like to work with for as long as you want. Absolutely. I've had the same thing, Joe. Like you said, I've had people retire and come back as consultants too. Mm-hmm. You could cut down the, the hours that you're working possibly you can get some,
1: that is really the big thing to get the time back. I'll be honest with you, Kurt. I don't ever anticipate retiring in the truest sense. Yeah. I will always have some kind of income producing activity, I think. Right. As long as I live. Yeah. But I want that income producing activity to be on my terms.
0: Yeah. I agree. I had some great news recently, and it's something that's coming. The one good thing that came out of the pandemic was this concept of work from home. I mean, the work Mm -hmm. that I do... There's no way, there's no reasonable why, reason why I can't do the work that I do remotely. And I recently learned that Ali will be 100% remote based on the policy awesome. that's going into place. And I thought about that in, in connection with this book. That is hugely liberating for me from a definitely time space and productivity in so many ways. And yeah. So the concept that overall in our... In the economy or in the overall world and the working life, the concept of working from home has become more
1: acceptable than it was ever before. So it opens think that about, door for think me. Think about the, the time you save in the commute. I think know. about the time you save when you get into work. People have this routine. I'll, I'll talk about the typical routine for corporate America is you drive to work maybe half an hour, right? Maybe mm-hmm. you drive to work a half an hour. So that's an hour a day you're losing, right? Yeah. Then you get into work. You put away your lunch. You sit at your desk. You get things ready for your desk. You get things ready for the day. Non productive stuff for the day. You're getting settled in. That may take another half hour, right? Say hello to all your co- coworkers. I know. And Kurt, I'm a chummy guy. <laughs> I, I love saying hello. I love visiting. I love hanging out. That doesn't out. surprise love, me. Yeah. You know, I I love standing at the coffee pot, chatting about whatever. I know. But that said. You lose a lot of productive time going into work. Yeah. A lot of productive time going into work. If you could capture that time, there's a lot. You, could, If you could capture that time, you could do a lot with that time. I know. Personally. So congratulations. I don't yeah. know if that's your win for the week, but congratulations, dude. I'm, it could be, but I'm not going
0: to use it for the win for the week. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's just a great revelation that it's something that's
1: in- Part of my future. I know we just skimmed the surface of this book, Psychology of Money, and I'd like to dig a little deeper into this, into financial strategies. Not that we are financial advisors, and we never will be. So, the disclaimer is: consult a financial advisor before making any decisions on your personal finances. Yeah. But I'd like to. I'd to. I'd like to dig a
0: little deeper into this. And yeah, we were talking about this weekend. I think one of the things is. The frugal lifestyle, and what does that mean? Where are there areas that we could cut back on? My first thought to you, I mentioned, was what about our grocery bill? I was doing some research. Remember I mentioned one of my resources was Mr. Money Mustache. I looked into his website a little bit, or I did some research. I was like, what? In this article, one article I was looking at goes back like over 10 years and saying common American family of four spends, I forget, it was like 800 to to $1,000 a month on their grocery bill. And a great strategy or a great thing to strive for would be to cut your grocery bill in half. What could that mean? Could you do it? Well, we can talk more about this, Joe, but, and I spoke to my wife about this. She gave me one of her famous non-answers, but I think she'll, I can press her on it I think it's, it requires some work because she's got to look at the checkbook and figure out exactly how much are we spending on groceries. But it's come out, you know, that we spend too much on our groceries and I'm trying to lose weight anyway. So it's an one of those areas I'd like to look
1: at. That's the easiest way to make more money. Yeah. It's spend to as much, take control of your spending habits. Now, right. if you are, if you have already done that, then it's time to employ some active strategies to make more money. But this is a, yeah. This is the way that most people can earn more money. Yeah. Now, it's it takes some work, right? Yeah. Focus you got to work it. at it. Yeah. But you can you could probably let's say more free time is important to you. And let's say for, for for now, you define more free time as I just would like to take now let's set aside your passion for Disney and all the time you spend there and all the all that mm-hmm. other stuff, okay? Yeah. I'm talking about the normal sane person, okay? Mm-hmm. The, I'm a little weird. Let's say, and I value vacation time. I take a lot of vacation time and I spend yeah. time with my family on vacation. But let's say your first step to gaining control of your time is, I would just like to take a whole week's vacation yeah. where I don't have to worry about the vacation money, but I just don't make enough money to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let's say that's your situation. If you're like most people, you could probably figure out a way to decrease your spending, Live more frugally, and I think you'd be surprised how quickly you find money to gain to go on a, a good vacation. If that's one of your goals, yeah. I'm not going to make a judgment one way or another if that's a good goal or not. But if gaining control of your time, if the first step to that is, hey, I just like to take a week's vacation where I don't have to worry about it. Uh, I'm going to give you a strategy for that in my quote for the week. Awesome, can't wait to hear it. <laughs> so let's. Not, I, I want to dig deeper into this book, into this concept, Kurt. Okay. So can we take the next few weeks or so and talk about money and be... I'd um, like to, yeah. It's an area yeah. we said
0: from the beginning we would definitely dig into and maybe have some challenges first. Our- yeah, definitely. Oh, it's an area I'm going after, so I'd love for you to join with me. Of
1: course. That's why we're dudes in progress, right? Absolutely. What's your win for the week? My win for the week may sound odd, okay? But my office... Has I'm surprised FEMA hasn't approached me about my office in the past few months because it has been an absolute disaster, a disaster since the flood. It has become a catch-all mm. for everything that we don't want to make a decision on. I thought right? you were the min- minimalist guy. I am. My wife is not. <laughs> okay. God bless her. We've, and we've established I, this already. I want to be fair to my wife. I have some hoarding problems myself and yeah. it usually is in the the technology world. Cords and wires and hmm. maybe some old computers or a screen or a recorder or a microphone or s- stuff like yes. that. I have some hoarding tendencies when it comes to that kind of thing. In the podcast world, it's you hear the term gas a lot. Gas. I have gas gear acquisition syndrome. And I need to really minimize that. This week, I went through my office and completely cleaned it out. Even to the point where right now, if somebody was on a Zoom call with me or on a Teams call with me or whatever call, whatever video meeting we're having, I may not have to blur my background, Kurt. You don't have as much junk in the background now as (laughs) you had in the past. See a couple chairs there. So my win for the week my win for the week is you see my brown comfy chair and you see my extra office chair. But my win for the week is dad gone. I cleaned my office and I got know, it rid feels of a so good. lot of stuff. Yeah. It does. It's a good feeling, right? You feel more productive, like we sure have talked about Absolutely. this in the past.
0: Yep. How about you? I'm due for that myself. A little extra cleanup. My win for the week, Now you already know this. We talked about this on Saturday. And I talked about three things that I wanted to work on when I got back from vacation and this is something my wife and i have been talking about for a long time we've got a half bath that needs renovation the flooring on it had even worn out i don't even know what that flooring is called it's from a 30 year old house i called it linoleum i could be wrong
1: for mica or linoleum (laughs) or whatever
0: it's thin i'm finding out brittle last saturday the thing i had the one thing i have the most anxiety about in doing this work was the plumbing and I was really concerned that I could shut the water off. And I, last Saturday, I could not get the shutoff valve on the toilet to turn. That thing was seized up. I tried. My best YouTube video source was a technique of getting really hot water in a boiling tea kettle and putting it on a rag and hanging it over this shutoff valve for five minutes. And then getting a little WD-40 also, and trying to wiggle that thing one way or another, trying to break all the corrosion that's in there. Joe, I tried that, I think, three iterations of that, and I still couldn't turn it. And I was mad last Saturday and felt like giving up almost. Talk about not getting sleep. i was starting to not get sleep because if I can't even get the water shut off, how far can I get in this? And I really want to do this on my own for a lot of reasons. So I go back to, I I said, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to get the water shut off down in the basement. What finally worked for me, trying to make a long story short, was a hairdryer incorporating. I tried that same technique, but also incorporated a hairdryer to heat it up. And in the long run, I was able to shut off the sink. I, I worked on the sink first and I got that done both hot and cold water. I was so excited about that. Also turned it off down in the basement. And then I tackled that toilet again the second time and i got that shut off too and i even got the sink and the vanity and the toilet removed yesterday so i'm all i'm the demolition is making great progress and the water is shut off that's awesome man
1: that's awesome yeah i uh, this that almost serves a dual, dual purpose right for those that are maybe doing some remodeling work and have some concerns about yeah how to fix a seized valve, right? there's a hack or a shortcut for you, right? <laughs> I uh, called a friend plus, who does yeah. this
0: on a regular basis and he didn't have a, he goes, yeah, I've had that problem too,
1: but didn't give me really any great strategies to, to get it. Here's a tip. Here's a tip for you guys. Seriously. Once or twice a year, <laughs> go through every single one of the valves in your house, the toilets, That's the true. sinks, the main shutoff, the sink underneath, yeah. wherever you have a valve, Just go through and turn it a couple times a year. Yeah. You will not regret it. You will not regret it. Because 20 years down the road, if you go to shut off your main shut off and all of a sudden you pull it and it breaks off, you're in a world of hurt. Just a couple times a year. There's a great Go through there and just turn them off. I hope I've learned through this process. Definitely. It's something that I've done and that uh, that I've always done. Look at me. I'm just coming out of a flood, but that wasn't my fault. I'm taking my time with this, too. I'm not putting any big rush on it.
0: Do a little bit at a time, which is another strategy to to deploy as you're working on especially when you don't really know the answers to everything. I've never Definitely. done it before. What's
1: your resource for the week, Joe? This certain section that we have, the resource for the week, it's a resource for the week. It's a, week, it's a hack. It's a shortcut. It's a little tip. It could be many things. I don't want to I'm it to. Call it to that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want it to be a this great groundbreaking resource that has changed our life. It might be that sometimes. But also it might be just a life hack or a shortcut that that we have that we want to share. And one of those one of those little hacks that I've discovered recently and I'm sure it's been around for a long time. I suffer from some ADD or some ADHD. My kids have always said this about me. My two oldest daughters are in the psychology world and have studied psychology and they are convinced that I'm I have rabbit overwhelming ADD right <laughs> they swear by it and i've always denied it but i know i have something like that i'm not on any kind of medication or i have some life strategies that i've that i've employed some survival strategies that i didn't even know that i was employing but one of them that i intentionally employed recently was the introduction of white noise or brown noise In the background when I'm working, I found uh, a couple sound files of sound on YouTube or on Amazon Music or wherever they might be where I can play white noise or brown noise. And it's so simple. And I think I don't know what the science is behind it. I read a little bit about it, but I don't know the science behind it. Hmm. But when I turn on this white noise and I couple that with my little timer that I talked about last week, I am in a it's easier for me to get into a zone. And work and continue to work until that timer goes off and I turn that white noise off. My resource or my hack or my shortcut, whatever we're calling it here, is white noise and brown noise in the background. Especially if you really need to concentrate on a project. Music with words doesn't help me very much. Music by itself doesn't help me very much. But this white noise or this brown noise, what they're calling hmm. it, really helps me a lot. And it's been a, I've been doing it for a couple weeks intentionally. And I've noticed a difference. Okay. I've really noticed a difference. What's the difference between the white noise and the brown noise? Now, we had
0: white noise at a building that I worked in, and I noticed, I think it's fantastic, it cuts down the office noise. That mm-hmm.
1: can be annoying, but the white noise helped with that. So, white noise is a higher frequency, okay, and brown noise is a lower frequency. Okay, Both have worked well for me. I've experienced, I've experimented more with white noise over the past couple of weeks, but I've read some stuff about brown noise. Brown noise is a deeper, it's not a rumbling, but it's just a deeper, a deeper frequency. You think that would help with your noise. sleep? I think it might. I think it might. Something especially experiment? the brown noise. i daughter heard something does that. about that. My daughter yeah. does the white noise
0: machine. When she s- sleeps over here, she says her
1: parents snore too much. Ah, So here's the funny thing you when you're when i play white noise in the background i reach a point where i don't hear it anymore right until i turn it off hmm. like it's almost it's jarring yeah it's almost jarring when i turn it off so we talk about habits and we talk about prompts and we talk about things that will not prompts but i'm trying to think of the word i can't think of the word right now but uh, triggers yeah. a trigger might be a good word when i turn that white noise over the past couple of weeks my mind almost automatically shifts in the focus. Mm, cool. And when I turn it off, it like, okay, it, it relaxes a little bit mm-hmm. and I'm a, but it, it has really helped me over love the it. past few weeks. I love it. So How my you? resource. Yeah.
0: I let off with the story of Ronald Reed. I found an article on a website called the Motley fool. So if you go out to fool.com or you could just Google this, the janitor who became a multimillionaire. And he amassed eight million dollars and he gave away five million dollars to his local library and hospital. Couple of points. This is a really simple article to read, and it's got some it's broken out with some great points. He was patient. He lived below his means. He invested in stocks. I go into some detail there. He invested in dividend-paying stocks. Again, I'm not giving financial advice. I'm just telling you what this article said. He aimed to buy and hold like we were talking about, he didn't retire early. He kept working. Matter of fact, he didn't retire until he was 76 years old, which I found interesting. He kept learning. That's fantastic. Yeah. He spent a lot of time in the local library and read the Wall Street Journal regularly. He didn't do everything perfectly. It's so interesting how this article matched the book that we just read or been reading. Yeah. So he didn't do everything perfectly. He made mistakes, but again, he played the long game. He was frugal and I like some of those aspects of so some great things to learn from the janitor who became a multimillionaire by retirement.
1: Awesome. And you found that on fool.com.
0: Yeah. Fool.com. Perfect. I think if you Google it, if you Google
1: the janitor who became a millionaire, you'll find an article like that. Perfect. Joe, what's your quote for the week? My quote for the week comes from Chris Brogan. Chris is an entrepreneurial advisor. He's very popular in the entrepreneurial world, especially the online entrepreneurial world. He he comes with some real street cred. He's, he's built businesses both on his own. He's worked in corporate America, highly successful in corporate America. He's been highly successful in the entrepreneurial world. And he gives practical mentoring and really is, like I said, very respected in the entrepreneurial space. And I love this quote that he has about money. The goal isn't more money. The goal is living life on your terms. Living life on your terms. Yep.
0: Yeah. Very similar that's to what it.
1: Yeah. I told you earlier. That speaks directly a, to, to my quote of the week. Absolutely. And that's it. That's the it's I, not just yep. to amass piles of cash, right? Right. Yeah it's to live life on your terms more responsibility and live life on your terms i think too but you know what kurt the first step of that is define your terms yeah what do you how do you what lifestyle do you really want do sure. you yeah. really want not yeah. what you think culture and society wants but what lifestyle do you really want what will bring Absolutely. you peace and serenity and invigorate your life and yeah. energy what do you want? What are your terms? Right. What would make you happy? I like that. This is me asking myself as it is I know. asking you. I agree. What, what are my terms? Even at our age right now, it's okay to hit reset and say, what are my terms? What do I really want? Absolutely. Love it. I'll finish up
0: with my quote, which is, do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. Warren Buffett. So I think that hmm. speaks to, if you want to save for, if you want a nice vacation, put that, my dad used to have a vacation club. He had a Christmas club and a vacation club. And I think this was the best financial advice I ever did here. And I gave him credit One of his financial advisors said, and I know this is in a book from David Bach also, and that is to make your savings automatic, right from your paycheck, right to an account that you don't touch. Absolutely. That's the way to do it. That's my, that I guarantee will
1: serve you well, if I can give you financial advice. I, I did hear, and we can talk about this, but I, this is on my mind right now. I have a couple friends and I've read some books from uh 401k. My daughter actually works for a company that manages 401ks. Mm-hmm. And, but I've read this a lot of times that the people with the most, wealth in their 401k, the people with the most money in their 401k are those people that have been putting money in a 401k and have just forgotten about it and have no idea they even have this money. My daughter has told me stories about people calling and saying, Hey, I'd I'd like to check and see how much money I have. I want to, I think I want to withdraw all of my money and buy a car. Okay. Really. And she tells them how much money they have. And it's $1.6 million. Wow. Or something crazy like that. And it's oh, home, they had no idea.
0: That's not a good idea either.
1: Going back to know what you got. It just shows that yeah. this is a person that set aside automatic savings yeah. and at some level and just forgot about it. Awesome. This has been fun, Joe, and I agree.
0: We'll continue down this topic. And I think it's, it's one of those things
1: that leads to unhappiness if you don't control it. So as we wrap up, our website, of course, is dudesinprogress.com, dudesinprogress.com. If you want to reach out to us, you can email us dudes at dudesinprogress.com, or you can check out our Facebook group, dudesinprogress.com slash Facebook. We'll take you directly to our Facebook group. We've had some engagement there. In fact, Daniel Ginger, one of our listeners, complimented us and shared our recent episode on sleep and certainly appreciate that, Daniel. Thank you very much. Kurt, as we go out, remember, progress is better than perfection, so we need to keep moving forward. I need to keep moving forward. Joe, we'll do better next week. We absolutely will. Take care, my friend.